I'm Bishop Sherman Young. Each week, the Word Break podcast answers questions about God, faith, and other spiritual issues. Here is this week's message. To do that, uh, Judges chapter 7. Without belonging the time, I want to start at verse 15, and so it was, Judges 7, and you'll need to find this. And so it was when Gideon heard the telling of the dream, the interpretation that he worshipped. He worshipped. When do you worship? He, he returned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord has delivered. Would you say the Lord has delivered? Would you say that again, please? For the Lord. Now, I want you to notice before I even get to the preaching. He worshiped in advance, and he declared in advance something past tense. He, the Lord has delivered. Now, at the time he said that, there was no deliverance. And at the time he worshiped, there was no deliverance. But he worshiped first, then he made a statement. Please say this. He worshiped, and he said something. Uh, see, this is crazy. The Lord had delivered, has delivered the camp of the Midian into your hand. Then he divided the 300 men into three companies. Would you say 300 men? Yes. And he put a trumpet in every man's hand. I want you to get your trumpet out right now, please. Get your trumpet out. He put a, he put a trumpet in every man's hand with an empty pitcher. Would you get your empty pitcher out, please? And torches inside the pitchers. How many brought any fire with them to church today? He said to them, look at me and do likewise. Watch, and when I come to the edge of the camp, you shall do as I do. When I blow the trumpet, I and all who are with me, then you also blow the trumpets on every side of the whole camp. Are you hearing me? So today now, when I blow my trumpet, then you blow yours. And say, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. So Gideon and the hundred men who were with him came to the outpost of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch. And as they had posted the watch and they blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers that were in their hands. Then the 300 companies blew their trumpets, broke the pitchers, and they held the torches in their left hands and the trumpets in their right hands for blowing. And they cried out, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. Every man stood in his place all around the camp and the whole army ran and cried out and fled. When the 300 blew the trumpets, did you bring your trumpet? The Lord set every man's sword against his companion throughout the whole camp, and the army fled to Beth Acacia toward Zerara, as far as the border of Abel Mahola by Taboth. I'll stop there. I want to um, actually talk to you about, it's 
that's crazy enough to work. It's crazy enough to work. Now, this lesson, let me give you the background before you get your trumpet out and ready. Because if you want a victory in your life, you got to worship, you got to say it, and you got to sound your trumpet. Now, this is a part of the history of the nation of Israel. God loved Israel. Israel is the only nation on the face of the earth that God planted on purpose and for a purpose. Israel came out of Abraham. God blessed Abraham to be the father of this nation. And Israel, Israelites are Jews. Now, there's been a lot said in the news lately about this because you've seen protests from Charlottesville to the West Coast led by men filled with hate, white supremacists who refresh every now and again America's memory of their hatred for Jews as well as blacks. It's amazing to me that these white supremacists call themselves Christian. They have crosses. They've often been known for burning crosses. They believe the Bible, so they say, and yet they hate the Jewish race. The Jewish race is the only race planted on the face of the earth by God himself. And he did that in order to bring Jesus to the world. He wanted there to be a pure-blooded race of people that were in covenant with him that could bring salvation to the world. So God loves the Jews. He loves them so much that his son Jesus was born a Jew. And Jesus was crucified by Jews, buried by Jews. When he was resurrected, he presented himself to the Jews. Now, the white supremacists, the Klan, the skinheads, and others say they don't like Jews because, according to them, they crucified Jesus so they couldn't be right. But you need to understand that God was not upset that Jesus got crucified. It was his plan. As a matter of fact, the book of Isaiah says it pleased God to bruise him. If Jesus had not been bruised, beaten, died on the cross and rose again, we wouldn't be saved today. So for any Christian to talk about hatred for the Jews is satanic. It is evil. And you cannot hide behind Christianity and do what we've seen done lately. It is not right, it is inhumane, and it is not the will of God. We have to understand that God loved Israel as his people and Israel produced Jesus, and Jesus is the head of the church. Therefore, there is a kinship that we share. We may not believe the same thing theologically, but we still have a kinship with them because we too are the seed of Abraham. Just as the Jew is the seed of Abraham through the bloodline, we're the seed of Abraham through faith. 
the faith that we have, the Abrahamic faith that we have, the covenant that we have with God is like that of Abraham. God blessed him and all that he did, and God blesses us as his children. So Israel is God's people, but the church, we are God's children. We're his family. And the Christian hating the Jew is outlandish. We've seen a lot of that lately, so much to the point that even the other night when the hurricane touched the shores of Texas, there was a pardon pronounced on a man, a sheriff in Arizona, who is also a racist. Well, all of that is a part of what people, especially Americans, like to use to say that they are right. But you cannot use the Bible to justify hatred. You cannot use the Bible to justify racism. There are those that even go so far as to say races should not mix. But God created all men and all women. And to believe that God is some supreme segregationist is against the teachings of the Bible. God loved Israel and God gave Israel a land. God gave Israel a law and God gave Israel a Lord. But Israel defiled the land, Israel defiled the law, and Israel denied the Lord. So when we get to the book of Judges, what we're reading about is when Israel had upset God, they'd gone against the word of God, the laws of God, and God allowed the Midians to capture them. Just like when they were in Egypt as slaves, now they're captured in the promised land. But God raised up a man, an ordinary guy named Gideon, anointed him to bring deliverance to his people. Now, Gideon is not a military genius. Gideon is not a man of science. Gideon is not an academician. Gideon is an ordinary guy. And this ordinary guy, who's a farmer, had a revelation from God that God wanted to use him and bless him. Who is God interested in? You may be interested in knowing that God delights in taking the weakling. He delights in taking the underprepared. He delights in taking the one that feels that they can't do it and he will do supernatural things through them. That's why Jesus did not uh, grow up as uh, some wealthy Millionaire, He didn't grow up as some son or in the home of some military genius. He's raised by a carpenter and a young girl. And he lived as a carpenter in a neighborhood, in the hood. Nazareth was the equivalent of the modern day ghetto. Because God wants you to know that no matter what you don't have, you do have a calling on your life that whether or not you feel that you are adequate or worthy is of no concern to God. He is not looking for your ability. He's looking for your availability. And your availability is your best ability. Why? Well, we learn that in the story, in the context of the story in Judges 7. When, when there is this great Midian army and God touches this peasant-like boy, Gideon, and says, you, you're a mighty man of valor. And Gideon 
finally agrees to do what God wants. He said, now get an army together. And Gideon rounds up over 20,000 men who want to fight. And that's not nearly enough. Everybody say, I don't have enough. Say it better than that. I don't. I don't have enough. He didn't have enough. Gideon didn't have enough. Have you ever felt like you don't have enough? For your life, you don't have enough. For your dreams, you don't have enough. Have you ever thought you don't have enough to do what you really want to do for your vision? Have you ever wished that you had more because you just don't have enough? Have you ever been faced with not having enough money, not having enough education, not having enough friends in the right place, not having enough talent, not having enough gifting, not having enough knowledge about the Bible, not having enough time in prayer, not having enough understanding of the will of God. Have you ever fallen short and didn't have enough? But what you have to understand about grace is the purpose and design of grace is to make up shortages. You see, I run as far as I can run, and when I give out, grace is the wind beneath my wings. When I don't have enough, I'm in the right position for God to prove to me that he is more than enough. The truth is, if you have based your life on the word and the will of God, if you made God the center of your life, you have more than you realize you have. The devil wants you to deny who you are, deny what you have, and deny what God wants to do in your life. But when you talk about weapons and when you talk about success, I have to realize that no matter how inadequate I feel, it's not about how I feel, it's about my faith. And if God has given you a dream, it will work. Tell your neighbor, if you got a dream, it will work. Uh-uh, tell them better than that. Tell them, if you have a dream, it will work. Now, here's what the Bible said. God gives us the desires of our heart. How many have ever read that? Well, we interpret that to mean, well, God will give me what my heart desires. Well, you know that's not true. If that was true, you would have had a lot of things you don't have now. But God gives me the desire that is in my heart. The dream that is in my heart came from God. There are books in this room yet to be written. There are songs in this room yet to be written and recorded. There are businesses in this room yet to be opened. There are accomplishments in this room yet to be birthed. And the only thing that's holding you back is doubt. You doubt that you can do it. As a matter of fact, you say if that could be done, somebody smarter than me would have done it by now. But you got to realize how God works. The purpose of God is what's important. Gideon got together 20-some thousand soldiers. But the 20-some thousand soldiers, watch this church, was too many for God. Now, if you're going to go hand-to-hand combat, which is that's all they had. They didn't have missiles to shoot like they do in North Korea. If you're going to go hand-to-hand combat, that's all they have. They don't have missiles to drop in an air raid. All they've got is man-to-man, hand-to-hand. They've only got 20-some thousand soldiers where the Midianites have hundreds of thousands. Look like you're falling short. Look like you're falling short. But it was too many for God. What's too little for me often is too much for God. Let me try that again. You didn't hear me. 
if you'd heard me, you would have shouted back at me. What is too little in my hand, in my estimation, is often too much for God to use. See, anybody can win the war when you got enough soldiers. Anybody can win the war when you got enough folk to know what to do. But what about when you're already short? You're short-handed. You're short with money. You're short with resources. You're short with what you need. Somebody in here is short today. And they don't realize the reason why you're short is because God is waiting on you to trust in him. You're so busy complaining about what you don't have that you don't see the opportunity that you do have. God can do more with a few that's consecrated than he can with thousands who are there for the wrong reason. Sure, you would like a crowd. Sure, you love more money. Sure, you wish you had hit the lottery. But don't you know God can give you the same life that the lottery winner will have without giving you the money that they want? Because the God you serve said all the silver, all the gold belongs to me. You believe in me when you do a lottery ticket for a billion dollars. Don't you know that the billion belongs to me? And I give it to whomever I want to give it to. And you don't have to stand in line with the ticket. I don't have any help here. You see, if you keep evaluating your life at the hog pen, you always come up with a pig pen analysis. The prodigal son was the son of a wealthy man. How do I know he was wealthy? Because the father could afford to give the younger son and the older son their inheritance while he was still an, a, a man of means and wealth. He could afford to give them their inheritance before he died. I wish I had a witness. Because you know in our communities we don't leave too many inheritances. Usually we leave bills behind that people have to pay. But he was a wealthy man. He was a wealthy. How do I know he was wealthy? Because when the young boy fell on hard times, he said, I'm going to go back home. And I'm going to tell my father, make me a hired servant. Now that man had enough money to give two boys their full inheritance and he still had hired servants. He still had land. He still had cattle. One of them was the blue ribbon cow that won at the county fair because he said when the boy came home, kill the fatted calf. He still had jewelry because he said, get the best ring and put on his finger. Get the best robe and put on his back. Get the best shoes and put on his feet. That was a wealthy man. And all the boy had left was a name. Can you say a name? Oh, he spent all he had on, you know, wild and loose living. But he still had a name. And when, his, when he got back to his father, the father didn't look at what the boy had lost. The father looked at the fact of who the boy was. I wish I had a witness. Honey, God ain't looking at what you lost. Sure, you lost some money. Sure, you lost an investment. Sure, you made a bad deal. Sure, your credit got jacked up. Sure, you had some bad experiences. Sure, you've been in some bad relationships. Sure, your heart has been broken. Sure, you've had to endure a lot of stress, strife and struggle in your life. When you go to God in prayer, he don't hold that against you. Man, don't you know if God held against us what we lost, we wouldn't have a chance in prayer. 
God is not looking at what I lost. He's looking at the opportunity that I have now to let him bless what I already still have. God is looking at the opportunity that I bring to him to make me a success, although I'm an obvious failure. I'm through here, but you got to recognize God said to Gideon, he said, you got too many. You got too many. Have you ever wondered why God let you lose that job? Have you ever wondered why the job you got now don't pay as much as the one you used to have? I wish I had some help around here. You see, the job may have changed, but God hasn't. Come on, I'm looking for a witness around here. Oh yeah, oh yeah, I, 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 know your, I know your relationships may have changed, but God hasn't. He's got something better for you. But you're not going to get it with more than what you used to have. You're still going to get it with less than what you were working with. He said, you got too many. And you know what he told him to do? Tell everybody who's scared, go home. And the Bible said out of the 26,000 he had, only 10,000 stayed. He had more scared men going to fight than he had men of courage. But sometimes we're so caught up with numbers, we don't recognize some folk are assigned to us, others are just associated with us. And the problem is we try to keep them all together, the assigned and the associated. But there comes a point in your life when God removes the associates out of your life and lets you hold on to the assigned. I wish I had a witness. The truth is that we're so busy trying to make everybody love us. Everybody speak well of us and everybody compliment us. I'm here to tell you, you're in trouble if everybody around you compliments you. Because some of them have an ulterior motive. Some of them have another agenda. Some of them are just using you, but they have no use for you. Some of them are just waiting on the opportunity to take what they can get from you and then kick you to the curb when they can't get any more. You got some cowards around you. People come up, you talking about what they said. Well, who is they? Well, I can't call any name. No, that's because you said it. That's a coward that will say what somebody said but won't tell you who said it. I wish I had a witness. The same dog that bring a bone will carry a bone. All they're looking for is something they can say about you and your response to something that they said. Let God strip those cowards out of your life. I wish I had a witness. It's time for everybody in this room to look around in their concentric circle of contact. You need to look at the folk called your friends. You need to look at the people that said they're with you. You need to look at your ride or die. And you'll figure out that over half of them don't mean you any good. Always need some money from you. Always need to use your debit card in the restaurant. I wish I had a witness here. Always need a ride, never buy any gas. Being popular ain't all it's cracked up to be. He said, you got too many. You turn them loose. Brought it down to 10,000. And you know what God said? I still can't use that. Because God said, if I bless y'all with a victory, you all will say, you did it, not me. You know what that teaches me? 
that God's purpose cannot be realized through bragging. Look at what I did. I'm a self-made man. I pulled myself up by my own bootstraps. I'm, 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 see, I'm woman enough to get this done. I didn't need a man. I don't need nobody. I, I, I do it all by myself. No, God is looking for somebody that will just praise him. I don't know how I did it. Just praise the Lord. I don't know where that money came from. Praise the Lord. I don't know why that old car mine keeps working right. Just praise the Lord. No, you can't brag your way. But then God said, you got 10,000? Yes, sir. You still got too many. I got too many now. He said, take them to the river and watch them drink water. He said, every man that scoops up water in his hand to drink it, pick him. But the dudes that get on their knees and bow down and scoop the water with one hand and drink it, let them go home. Well, why is that? Because you only want folk around you who keep their heads up. You're in enemy territory. Anybody, anybody that is alert, God can use. And so if you're in enemy territory, the last thing to do is take your eyes off the hills. So when you drink water, scoop it up with your hands and watch around you. But if they get down on their knees and bend their head down and drink like that or lap it like a dog, tell them go home. You need folk around you with your head up. Somebody's got something going on in their life. Somebody that's about something. Somebody that is looking to accomplish something. You don't need the dead weight. You don't need the thugs. You don't need those hanging on you like parasites trying to drain you. And they do drain you. Some of us have headaches all the time. We feel tired all the time. Stressed out all the time. That's them folk hanging on you. Sucking your blood like a leech. That's those people around you that you got to keep going. You got to keep them encouraged. You got to keep them standing up. You got to do for them. Listen, those are the ones you need to let go. Oh yeah, that's my ride or die. Well, if that's your ride or die, how come you always got to prop them up? They're never encouraging to you. They never bring you any strength. They just take your strength from you. Now, church, you do know you can get physically weak. Amen? Well, you do know you got a soul. You can get soulishly weak. People can wear you down so until your health is going bad. And you're trying to figure out what's wrong with you. And you go to the doctor and the doctor said, I can't find nothing. You cannot carry grown people on your back. I wish I had a witness around here. There comes a time when adults have to become adult. They have to stand up for themselves. And as much as it might hurt you, you've got to let them grow. Repeat after me. There are some folk I got to let go. There are other folk I got to let grow. 
Because I just got enough for me. This little light of mine. I ain't got my light and your light. Ten virgins were all waiting on the coming of the bridegroom. Five were wise and five were foolish. The five, what made the five wise? They had extra oil because they didn't know how long the night might be. What made the five foolish? They only had enough oil. I don't have a witness here. Somebody run and find Hillary Clinton. Ask her why she lost two elections. She lost against Senator Obama because she only raised enough money to get her to Super Tuesday. And she thought she'd have it sold up at Super Tuesday. She ran out of money on Super Tuesday and Obama had nickeled and dimed money on the internet. She'd never heard of the internet. He nickeled and dimed enough money on the internet to run that campaign and the one four years later. You better ask Hillary why she lost to Donald Trump because she was so sure that nobody would want him Everybody would want her. She didn't put any money in Wisconsin and didn't put any money in Michigan because she was so stuck on herself. I don't have a witness around here. I know she didn't hear the internet back in 2008. She must have heard of it because she started sending emails. And four years later, she still couldn't win. Honey, don't be stuck on yourself. You can't do it. You can't do it without God. You need to hit somebody, elbow somebody, say, uh-uh, you need God. You can't do that without God. Your career ain't going nowhere without God. I know if they did hire you, they might like you, but those promotions ain't going nowhere without God. You need the Lord in the center of everything you do. He said, get the ones, I'm through, get the ones that scoop up the water. How many scooped up water? 300. You've gone from 26,000 to 300. And can't a one of them shoot a gun? No, they're farmers. I mean, not a one of them. Can't a one of them wield a sword? Not one of these cats. Not one of them can do anything but put shoes on a horse and milk a cow. And you go into war. Somebody said that's crazy. Well, that's what I want to tell you. Number one here, he's using the wrong people. 300 farmers going to war against 100,000 soldiers. That's crazy. But faith, if it ain't crazy, ain't faith. Excuse my Ebonics. I could have. Let me, let me fix that for some of you. Faith that is not crazy is certainly not faith. I know I talk a little ebonically sometimes, but you know, you need to be, yeah, yeah, you need to be real. Be real about it. I, I, you know, you don't talk, you don't talk around the house the way you talk at work. At work, you're just, you know, just as proper. Oh yes, I believe we can get those reports done by in the morning. Would you bring me a Coca-Cola too, please? 
And you around the house, you say, shoot, I ain't going to be able to get them repulse ready during the morning. Shoot. They must think I'm a dang fool. I ain't got that kind of done time. Thought you was going to do them in the morning. Hell, I can't get that done by in the morning. Oh, I don't have a witness here. I mean, come on now. Faith that ain't crazy ain't faith. That's what makes it faith. That you spit in a blind man's eyes and say, go wash in the pool of Siloam. That's crazy. That you tell 10 lepers, go to the health department and they'll give you a certificate of health. That's crazy. That they run out of wine and you say, bring me some water. The wrong folk. 300. I'd feel better, y'all, if they were 300 sharpshooters. You know, infantry. You know, you know, a SWAT team. These guys can't do nothing but plant collard greens and pick cotton. But God said, now nah, we're ready to go. Have you ever, now I have done this, maybe you haven't. I'm going to be transparent. I have asked God, why have you taken everything from me? See, maybe you hadn't got there yet. You can get to a point in your life, everything is just like you like it, just like you want it. And you shake your head and look around because just as, and it took a long time to come, but it don't take long to go. I, I wish I had a witness here. Have you ever sat in divorce court and said, Lord, what's going on? Have, have, have you ever sat in court with your child and said, Lord, what's going on? Why am I losing more than I'm gaining? He will reposition you in order to bless you better. I wish I had a witness. You think being unemployed is going to destroy you, but what you found out, it deepened your walk with God. It got you to a place in the Lord that you've never been before. Now when you pray, you feel the anointing. But you never felt it until you didn't have a job, didn't know where the next check was going to come from. They weren't going to give you your pennies. You didn't know how you were going to survive. But somehow, someway, God saw you through. I wish I had some real testifiers around here. That's not a shame to let the rest of this church know. I've been down and without, but it was at my lowest moment I really met the Lord. I really found out what faith in God would do. I really found out who Jesus was. I really had to lean and depend. That's what they used to sing across the street at the old church. I learned how to lean and depend on Jesus. He's my friend and he's my guy. Somebody said wrong people. You're not going to like this, ladies. Ladies, y'all ain't going to like this. But sometime that dude that you rejected, he was the right one. Brother Williams, will you pray with me? I need a little help right through here. Sometimes the fella that you didn't like, the fella that you paid no attention to, you know the one that kept complimenting you? 
tried to give you a flower every once in a while. I don't like him. No, you went over there and got you a little superstar. And he drained you and drowned you. I'm going to find a witness in this house in a minute. You said, but that dude, he, 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 he can't afford me. Uh-huh. You ain't got to say nothing. I know I got your number now. He, he you know, I'm, uh, uh, he can't afford me. What do you call that? Uh-huh. See, I know I had the right crowd. That's what you've been saying, uh-huh. I'm high maintenance. Sometimes it's the farmer that can't do nothing but plant a seed and milk a cow. But he'll love you till the day you die. When you get sick, he'll cook for you. Bring water to the bedside. Make sure you take your medicine on time. But the one that you picked, you got sick and he got out. Huh, huh. I, hear what he said, Joe. I ain't signed up for this. Preach, Bishop. Thank you very much. I'll preach a little while. Wrong people. But next, crazy faith utilizes the wrong plan. I'm through, but look at what Gideon said. We're going to war. He said, get the weapons. I'm through. Guess what the weapons were? A horn, a jar, and a torch. 300 cats against 100, over 100,000 soldiers with a horn, a jar, and a torch. Somebody said that's crazy. Yeah, that is crazy, a horn, a jar. What are we gonna do with this? He said, do what I do. A horn, you got your horn? A torch, you got your torch. And a jar, what? a horn, makes noise. I'm not advocating noise for noise sake, but if you're a child of God, you ought to get noisy sometimes. Now, now, I ain't throwing off, I ain't throwing off, but I just want to say, if your son or your grandson got a contract to the NFL or the NBA, I think you'd make some noise. If your sister, because I know you don't play, won the Powerball, I think you'd make some noise. I, I don't have any help around here. If you've been born again, sometime or another, it ought to come.
Lord. I don't want to be in a church where they won't let me make noise. Because the joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me. And the world can't take it away. I want to make a little noise. The peace that I have, the world didn't give it. And the world, y'all rushing me, don't rush me. Can't take it away. I, I'm sorry. I, I, I should have told you this when I came here. I come from a noisy crowd. And if you, if, if you don't like my noise, change your seat. Check this out. Tell your neighbor. Say, hey, neighbor. I, I'm, I'm just checking to make sure. That, that you like noise. Not going to tell them, said my neighbor. If you don't like noise, you need to move because I'm getting ready to get noisy. I wish you'd holler right there. Can anybody say yes? Can anybody say yes? Wait, 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 wait. Let's qualify the yes. Has God been good to you? Has God made a way for you? Has God delivered you? Can you say yes? Stop rushing me. You know, you know I'm not ready to holler right now. But I got something to holler about. He healed me. He delivered me. I got something to holler about. I know what it is to fry your last chicken and don't know what you're going to eat tomorrow and got children to feed. I got something to holler about. I know what it is to go to the couch and dig under the cushion hoping you can find some change so you can buy a happy meal. I said, I got something to holler about. I know what it is to go to the closet and go through every pocket in your coat and pants hoping you got some money that you lost and it's balled up inside your pocket I got something to holler about I know what it is to sell my food stamps to my unsaved brother-in-law so I'd have enough money to buy gas to go to work I know what I'm hollering about I got some young people here they wonder why I holler or what I'm hollering for. Honey, God bless you. You were born with a silver spoon in your mouth. All these children in here, they came into houses with air conditioning, rode in cars that their mom and daddy, I wish I had a witness now, got grandmama, big mama, everybody looking out for you. But when you were like I was, just a foster child, given away by his mother to somebody else, you ought to know what I'm hollering about. Uh, he brought me out. Uh, he saved me. Uh, he delivered me. Uh, I, didn't, I, I, I didn't mean to holler that time. I didn't mean to holler that time. The other time it slipped up on me. But that one was on purpose. And so is this one. Ah! 
don't you ever ask me why I holler. Not only do I holler, I perfected my holler. Somebody said, somebody one church said, why he screamed? Baby, I ain't screaming. Screaming is what you see in the movies, in a horror film. I'm not screaming, I'm celebrating. I said, I'm celebrating. When I used to go to the club, they would celebrate. I didn't see nobody sitting around, not getting involved. And when I come to church, I'm not going to let the folk at the club out celebrate me because God is good all the time. You got your horn? Then you got to have a torch. How many of you got a torch? That's called fire. I said you need some fire. Um, the Bible said you be baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire. You know, when they were singing a little while ago, I could feel the fire. You know why I raise my hands? Because my hands are my antenna. You know, sometimes when my cell phone won't get a good signal, I hold it a little higher and I get the signal that I need. That's what I have to do with my hands. Sometimes I just hold up my hands and the fire goes all over me. I feel the anointing all over me. Well, you got to, you got your horn, you got your torch, and you got your jar. Well, the jar is a container. Yes, Lord, down in your spirit, Jesus said, oh, He that believes in me, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And the Bible says, Yes, Lord, in the middle of the night, Somebody said in the middle of the night, you know, God never slumbers and he never sleeps. You can never catch God off guard. He's always watching. He's always delivering. He's always assisting. You know, but the devil is not like God. You can catch the devil off guard. Sometimes, you know, when you're struggling, when you're sick, when you're lonely, when you're broke, you know what the devil thinks? I got her now. I, I got her now. She's messed up. She's depressed. In the midst of your trouble, if you start praising the Lord, you catch the devil off guard. He didn't expect you to say hallelujah when your bills are behind. He didn't expect you to say thank you, Jesus, when your body's racking in pain. He didn't expect you to praise the Lord 
when he knocked you down to the ground. But oh, yes, Lord, you need to catch him off guard. They surrounded the camp and they took their horns and blew their horns and then they broke the jars and then they set the camp on fire. Now let me tell you what happened. All of these hundreds of soldiers, thousands of soldiers, it caught them off guard. They knew Israel didn't have an army. They thought they were surrounded by a bigger army. They woke up to all of that noise, saw all of that fire. They drew their swords, still had some sleep in their eyes, and they killed one another, thinking they were killing the other army. Do you hear me? They killed one another, thinking they had killed the other army. God will make the devil turn on himself and kill himself. Let me tell you like this, the ditch you dig, you better dig too. Cause the first one you dug is gonna be for you. Oh yes, if you go around trying to hurt other folk, you just hurt yourself. The same judgment you mean out to others, it shall come back against you again. Use the wrong people, uh, utilize the wrong plan. Uh, yes, you suck uh, the wrong place, uh, but utter the right praise. Uh, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done hollering. I think I'll squall a little bit. Ah! Repeat after me, I may not have much. I may not have a lot of support. I may not have a lot of people at my back. But I got Jesus. And that's enough. Long as I got King Jesus, I don't need nobody else. Long. Come to Jesus. Every head bowed, please. Every eye closed.
If you're in this church today and you don't have Jesus, you're in a mess. I know you say, well, preacher, sound like you're judging me. No, I'm not judging you. I'm offering you something that's going to follow you throughout eternity. You are going to live forever. Everyone in this room, you're going to live forever. But you get to choose whether you're going to live with God in his presence or live with the devil in the lake of fire. You say, I don't believe in all of that. God would never send anybody to hell. You're right. God doesn't send people to hell. They send themselves. Young lady, how long will you wait? What are you trying to figure out? What about you, sir? You say, well, I'm not going to do it until I think I can live right. Well, you'll never come. There ain't a person in this room who's saved because we're living right. We live the way we live because we are saved. Make a better choice than the one you've been making. Secondly, if you're here and you say, well, I'm a Christian, but I'm not active in church. If you ever go fishing, you probably have never done it if you think like that. You pull that fish out of water, it's not going to live long. A fish needs to be in the water. You're not in church. Your spirit man can't stay active. I'm not saying you're going to hell. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying your spirit man needs the fellowship of other brothers and sisters in the faith. You say, but I've been hurt by church and I've been hurt by preachers. Oh, honey, keep on living. You're going to be hurt some more. I've been hurt by them too. You know what I figured out? <clears throat> They're not Jesus. He'll never hurt you and never let you down. While the singers are chanting, would you come to Jesus?